0: Dr. C here. Before we begin, I'd like to make sure that you're aware that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is a leading provider of online therapy, and they provide video, phone, or live chat sessions with a licensed professional therapist. It's affordable, and you can connect with your therapist within 48 hours. Now, as a special offer to our surviving narcissism listeners, They'll offer a 10% discount for your first month of professional therapy. All you have to do is go to BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash Surviving Narcissism Podcast. I know that many of you would find online therapy to be quite life-changing, and so go to BetterHelp.com slash Surviving Narcissism Podcast. And many thanks to the people at BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. (music) Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Surviving Narcissism podcast with your host, Dr. Les Carter. I'm Michaela, the program director, and in today's episode, Dr. Carter will discuss what dominant narcissists don't want you to know. Hello, Team Healthy. I'm so pleased to be with you here again. Okay, let's start right off the bat by me making a comment, and that is I want you to raise your hand. If you could honestly say, I'm tired of being around dominant people. (laughs) Is that something that would describe how you feel at times? You you, you have to think. There there are so many individuals who seem to think it's their right or it's their um, calling, even, if you will, to let everybody know, well, there's all of you poor slobs out there. And then, of course, there's me. And I need to make sure that all the rest of you know who is the force to be reckoned with, and it simply is not you. And there are some individuals who just look for ways to try to show themselves as being dominant over someone else. Now, we could go into so many different uh, arenas as we try to find these individuals. Start inside your own home. Maybe that you're living with someone who just seems to have to have the final word in whatever kind of decision is being made, or if there's an opinion being expressed, Guess whose opinion is correct and whose opinion is not correct. And I think you know where you fall on that scale. Or let's say that you're at family gatherings and you have that one blowhard that just has to make sure that everything goes that person's way, very bossy and, and conniving and uh, they very insistent with respect to how things are supposed to be. Or you go into organizations and you have those people that you work with that just simply can't ta- take input because they're so busy giving out if you will. And then we can look at the the political scene. We can look at organizations. And the world is full of individuals who have more or less said, I I really need to find people to dominate. And uh, and the bigger the stage that I have, the better it's going to be for me. And you see, my question is, is there ever a good rationale that one person can make for saying, yes, yes, It really is reasonable for me to dominate other individuals as thoroughly and as frequently as I possibly can. Is there ever a good rationale for that? And, of course, you know and I know the answer is no. And and the the sad thing is, if you were to call that strong-willed narcissist into question with respect to that they would look back at you and they'd say, you know what the problem is? If there's somebody that's trying to be dominant at you, you're always trying to tell me what to do. They project like crazy. And so it's like, never mind, because these individuals can have such low insight. There are so many different behaviors that uh, can illustrate that a person has this dominant kind of streak on the inside of themselves. Now, of course, we can say that these are individuals who superimpose their opinions, et cetera, like I just mentioned. But these are the individuals who have no qualms about speaking words of insults. If they don't like what you have to say or do or what you're wearing or what your priorities are or your methods are in taking care of a task, rather than saying, hey, let's talk about something here. I think I might have some insight that might be helpful. No, they just go in straight in the insult. Why would you be so stupid? Or where would you come up with an idea like that? Or who told you? Blah, blah, blah. Fill in the blank. Or these individuals can also just be very vengeful. If you don't go along with them and if you don't buy into their narrative that they're supposed to be the be all and end all, then they can make your life miserable. They can try to punish you through all sorts of non-cooperation kinds of schemes. Uh, They can be very degrading to the point of humiliating toward you. Uh, They can uh, actually have uh, targeted uh, agitations that they'll have towards you little petty kind of things. um, For example, um, uh, it might be that you ask them, can you help me out with this little small favor? And the answer is no, I have other things to do when in fact, just watching TV or they're doing a a trivial little task. But uh, that's what I mean when I say targeted, small kind of agitations. These are individuals who more or less can rationalize, if there are problems in this world, it sure isn't caused by me. In fact, you're the problem, and I'm the one that has to mop up your message. You, you've you got it coming. And of course, my thinking is, A, that, that reflects so much of a lack of Of wisdom and insight. And uh, and basically, these individuals are just projecting all over the place when they say, you're so problematic. And uh, these are individuals that you simply can't reason with. Why would anyone treat me with disdain? Why would anybody feel like they're accomplishing something good by being so dominant and so overpowering towards someone else? Now, there's, there's something that I want to focus on when we refer to the narcissist, and it's the term the false self. Okay, You've heard, you've heard me talk about that before. And in fact, when you take a look at some of the uh, primary identifying factors of narcissism, the false self hiding behind a, a propped-up false self is going to be right there on the list. Um, let's, let's zero in on that. Already, when we're talking about what it means to be a narcissist, Uh, We can say that these individuals have decided, I can't join the real world out there because, you see, they don't like what the real world is, including who they are. If we were to just break down just certain basic truths about human personality— we would say, well, every one of us has what we call a duality. Now, there's a part of us that's quite capable of right and good things, and we're also quite uh, capable of negative and harmful things. And each individual has uh, times in their life, many junctures where they come along and think, which direction do I want to go? And uh, and, and we're, we're all just a mixed bag. Sometimes we have great successes. Other times we have failures. Narcissists, though, in their false self, it's like, well, let's talk about the things in my life that are just on the good side of the ledger. I don't want to talk about that other stuff. And then when we talk about you, though, let's talk about the stuff that's on the negative side. And, and, and when you just try to break them down and say, do you understand the, the falseness of that kind of reasoning? Again, uh, the lack of insight is like, no, um, I, I don't go into that space. I don't even know what you're talking about. You, you've got problems. There are multiple things that I want us to be aware of that these individuals are attempting to hide from you. There's certain things about these people who go into that high, dominant, superior, condescending, let me tell you kind of mindset. And the more you're able to see what's behind the mask, if you will, or behind that, uh, that. Uh, that curtain, the more you're able to see into their rationale and their issues behind the scenes, then the less, hopefully, you're going to be negatively impacted by these people. First and foremost, when someone comes toward you clearly illustrating they have to be dominant and they have to be in the power position over you, These are individuals who have no conception of love. I know that most of you have been to funerals, or sometimes several funerals, and when you are at the end of someone's life, trying to summarize what they accomplished, somewhere in the equation, you hope that they can use the word love. Well, this person was a loving individual. This person uh, was—they wanted to make sure that the people in their life were felt valued and respected. These dominant uh, person, narcissists, though. When they um, when they engage with other individuals, it's like, well, I'm not going to be loving toward you because I don't know what love is. Now, they, they may want admiration, they may want adoration, and they may sometimes pay compliments so they can get some sort of uh, comeback from you on that. But in terms of the patience and the kindness and the humility and the affirmation and the servitude that goes along with being loving toward someone else, being willing to make sacrifices... These are individuals who don't know that. Taking it a bit further, and I'm going to be stating the obvious with this one, when somebody feels the need to be dominant over you, they don't want you to know that they have some real serious anger issues. And when I say anger issues, uh, we can be talking about that emotion in an across-the-board way of um, discussing that Often, when we think of a person who has issues with anger, we think of them as being yelling and shouting and screaming at the top of their lungs and just being super forceful and overbearing. And sure enough, that's anger. That would be in the aggressive anger category. But then there are other ways that anger can show up. Sometimes it's not quite so loud and abrasive, but they can just have this constant sense of agitation and annoyance and irritability. Um, impatience, things like that, critical. And, uh, we'll call that kind of middle of the road sort of anger issues. And you just, you just know, well, all I'm going to, all I have to do is show up and they're going to let me know something's wrong. Sometimes their anger issues show up in terms of passive aggressiveness you might say, I need some help over here, and they may say, sure, I'll be glad to, and then in their mind, it's like, why would I want to do that? And so they'll uh, 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 accidentally on purpose forget to do whatever it is you need them to do, so their anger issues can come up with deliberate non-cooperation, and then they, uh, they'll they say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot, I meant to do it, and blah, blah, blah. blah. And then other times, their anger can show up in the form of holding grudges and holding you in contempt. There are many different ways that uh, these narcissists, with their dominance, can show that they have anger issues. But if you were to sit them down and say, "Let's talk about that emotion. Let's let's discuss why you're feeling this way and what's going on. What are you hoping to accomplish?" Again, we're not talking about people who are known for insight and almost guaranteed they're going to flip it around and say, there's only one reason that I feel angry, if I feel angry at all, and that's because you're such a screw-up. And so they they can't take responsibility for their anger because they'll go into blame-shifting, and they certainly don't want to have to examine themselves with respect to what that might mean. Now, in addition, when we see that an individual feels the need to be dominant over you... And this is another really strong driver for them. These are individuals who have a profound fear of being inadequate. Um, they, it, when when you think, okay, what what compels a person to have to say, I am so much better than you, I'm so much smarter than you, I'm so much more in the know. These are individuals who are afraid of the opposite. They don't want to to have to say, well. Uh, I, I identify with you. Uh, you make mistakes. <laughs> How about that? So do I. Or uh, you sometimes have a need to, uh, to, uh, to do things a little bit more um, efficiently. Yeah, I've been there too. They, they can't admit their, uh, their humanity, but taking it a little bit further, uh, they can't admit the fact that sometimes not only are they human, but they are uh, mistake-making humans. Sometimes these individuals can have their insecurity They don't really know exactly how to uh, manage things, but instead of saying that, they turn it around and they try to uh, uh, put you in a low position and make no mistake, when somebody insists on having to be in that high position over you, they are in high, high compensation mode for their fear of being found out as inadequate. Now, in addition, and this, this to me is one of the most uh, sad things, it's a part of that dominant uh, narcissist. These are individuals who have no um, reservation about thinking of you in dehumanized forms. Now, to me, that, that's one of the, the saddest things. I mean, uh, when, when a person goes into this high insult, and when they say things that just are clearly to make you feel like you're the biggest fool that ever walked the face of the earth, you have to ask, what are you hoping to to accomplish here? And they don't see you as being somebody that might have their feelings hurt or might have a different perspective. They don't want to see your humanity. If they can just kind of put you into this box, and basically the box is labeled as the major nuisance in my life, and you're inside that box, then they don't have to uh, to come to terms with your humanity. In other words, they, uh, empathy is not something that they emphasize, uh, trying to tune in and find out what your backstory might be or what your separate reasoning might be. That's just something that doesn't occur to them. Empathy is something that to them feels like it's um, being too soft or perhaps putting them in a compromised position because that would allow you to then speak into your needs in a way that they would have to, you know, understand, and they don't want to go into that. And then taking it a little bit further when you think, well, what's going on with these individuals when they have to dominate you? Somewhere along the way, they lost sight of the word goodness. You see, to them, goodness became something that's immeasurable you know, I scored this amount on my test or I have this amount of money or I have this kind of car or I have this job or I've I've had these accomplishments. Isn't that good? When in fact, they don't think of it as as being something that's related to their character. I have a a track record of of being kind or I have a track record of being patient. Uh, Goodness, actually, when you look at it in its most classic sense of the word, is a very rich word. Um, But instead to them... Uh, they're thinking, no, it's, it's, a, it's an a evaluative word. It's a judgmental word. And so they've lost track of what uh, true goodness might be. I'd like for you to be aware of my video courses. One of them is entitled Free to Be, Finding Yourself Despite the Controllers in Your Life. Now, inside this course are various modules, and inside each module, it breaks down into various lessons with a video, teaching documents, and then also questions that go along with it. For example, inside Free to Be, you'll learn how controllers want to invite you into their games, but then you'll also learn about the seven principles of freedom, how to develop self-trust, and much more. Now, if you are interested in enrolling in the classes, you could go to our survivingnarcissism.tv website, click the link for courses, and you'll find that one and others. And I hope that you would find them to be quite therapeutic. And now back to Surviving Narcissism with Dr. Carter. And then there's just another, and this is a very childish thing. when, When a person comes across toward you in a highly dominant kind of way, what they're basically implying is, I don't have the proper coping skills to filter things through uh, such a grid that says, you know, when you and I differ or when we have diversity or complexities, eh, we're going to need to uh, think about what's the wisest way to manage that. I might need to learn some things from you or I might need to acknowledge that sometimes I'm just not up on all of the, the, uh, the capabilities that I wish I could be. But instead, uh, when they're they're dominant, it's their way of implying, I don't know what to do with you. When you feel in a way that I don't uh, uh, agree with, all I know to do is to tell you how wrong you are, as opposed to saying, hmm, let's slow down. Let's talk. Let's reason together. They can't do that. And it's, it's a deficiency that is glaringly obvious. And we could say a whole lot more, but the point is when somebody says, I really feel like it's a good strategy in my world to let you know that I am the power broker here. You are not. You need to filter things through me. I don't do that with you. There's something that's dreadfully wrong. And so your your task when you realize this is to know what you're dealing with, and and uh, just uh, recognize straight up that this is an individual who is deeply invested in what we call alternate reality, and uh, that's another of the, of the defining features of narcissism. When we talk about a person having alternate reality, basically that's the individual that says, "I don't really care about facts." I don't really care about common sense. The only thing I care about is my interpretation of how things are going to be and go ahead and, and factor in that my interpretation is going to be very entitled. It's going to be very, very me focused. And, and as a result, uh, um, they're going to just uh, diminish you in the process. That's what we're dealing with. Okay. They're, they're not in this life, in this relationship with you to help build you up. Now, let's take this a little bit further, okay? Whenever I'm in the presence of someone who has this long-standing reputation for having to be dominant, and then they go into this dehumanizing and grading and judging kind of mindset, there's a, there's a part of me that just aches. And when I say ache, I mean all the way down into at the core of who I am. It's like, yes, I, I feel badly about how this is making me feel, but I ache for the fact that you over there, the dominant narcissist, you're sitting on a whole lot of, of trouble that you're not able to come to terms with. These individuals, and basically we can say that they're bullies, these individuals carry a great deal of profound pain, okay? I, I recall so much, this one man, and uh, he was you know a middle-aged fella, and he had a lot of anxiety and stress and he uh, would go back and say, yeah, and I know where it came from Uh when I was a kid. I mean, literally every little thing that I did was micromanaged by my mother and she would constantly second guess me and she was constantly yelling and telling me what uh, what I should have done differently and how I didn't measure up. And it was interesting. This fellow said, you know, it wasn't until I wound up being uh, uh, late adolescence and early adulthood that I began realizing that this isn't the way everybody else's family was. Uh, to me, this is my norm. But as I helped him uh, try to come to terms with this overwhelming, dominant, condescending mother that he had, he began realizing that she was carrying a great deal of pain and then he was, pla- she was placing her pain onto his shoulder saying, you need to carry this pain for me because I don't know what to do with it. And uh, there was a slow but steady opening of the eyes and realizing she's she's really struggling. And of course, it's no surprise to know that she had been demeaned and she had been on the receiving end of lots of negative messages herself. But instead of her saying, I'm going to try to come to terms with it, uh, what she did, like I say, she just uh, continued to pass it along. And this fellow that I was talking with, who was trying to figure it all out, it began to, to actually have a sense of optimism where he began thinking to himself, well, what this means is I get to be the one who breaks the chain. Rather than me taking my pain and looking, you know, <laughs> who's going to be on the receiving end of it? You know, is it going to be my spouse? Is it going to be my kids? Is it going to be the people that I work with? He began realizing, well, what if I decided I don't want to be a pain giver? I don't want to be a pain receiver, but I don't want to be a pain giver either. So that's what I'm talking about when I say the more you see into this, the more it can prompt you to go into a different direction. Be aware that these are people in, in uh, pain, and it was passed, it was given to them when they were in their formative years. They're passing it along, and you're not required to have to be the next person to do the same. In addition, when we, all, when we see this individual who's in this dominant power kind of mindset, these are dreadfully fearful individuals. Now, that power person, that dominant person, uh, if you were to say that, if they could be honest, they would say, well, wait a minute. Notice how stubborn I am, and notice how definitive I, I sound. Uh, that's not the sound of a fearful individual, and of course, again, that's their lack of insight. They're afraid of being a nobody. They're afraid of being rejected. They're afraid of looking wrong. They're afraid of having to uh, to share the spotlight with someone else. They're they're driven by fear, and all of that is is established by the fact that they never really learned how to trust very well. Uh, instead, they're thinking, "You're out to get me, aren't you?" Well, I have news for you. And so, there's a type of paranoia that uh, that prompts that dominant and that overwhelming style they have. But again, they won't recognize the paranoia. Uh, to them, if uh, if they say you're making my life miserable, uh, as far as they're concerned, that's gospel truth. As opposed to saying, well, wait a minute, maybe there's something else that I need to look at that uh, would help me know that person from a more full perspective. Nah, I'm not going to do that. And so they take care of their fears by diminishing you. Now, in addition, and you've heard people like me say this, and, and I hope I can give you some clarity on this. A, a person who feels the need to be dominant is also someone who is shame-filled. And I, I've had people say, well, I, I don't see where they're shame-filled because all they do is they, they uh, dole it out. These are people, uh, the dominant narcissists are individuals who uh, in their early formative years realize that there's a pecking order here. And if you do A, B, and C, you're going to be on the top end. And uh, if you do uh, C, D, and E, then you're going to be on the bottom end and you're going to be told that you're a nobody. And so uh, they're they're heavily driven by the grading system. You know, where where do I stand in that pecking order? And so part of their compensation for any kind of uh, worries or concerns that someone might see their inadequacies is they've decided, well, one of the best ways to be on the top end of that pecking order is to be the one who gets to call all the shots. And you see, if I'm the one standing at the front of the classroom, you see, passing out the grades and telling everybody uh, how good they are, how not good they are, how idiotic they are, then that means I win. But it's it's them trying to compensate for uh, some of the shame that they're trying to run away from. I get to uh, solve my shame by pronouncing it upon you. I get to resolve my worries about judgment by judging you worse than anybody that I would ever judge myself. Do you see the, the ill logic? And yet, uh, that's, um, that's what they do. Now, there's another thing for us to recognize, and that is these, and I I alluded to this just a few moments ago, but these people, when you think about it, they've actually thought to themselves or rationalized to themselves, if, if they can try to make you feel badly about who you are, then that will solve their own tensions. And so that tells us these are very codependent individuals. Uh, it's like, I'm counting on you to alter who you are. I'm counting on you to change your mindset. I'm I'm counting on you to uh, filter everything through me so that I can finally be okay. And so they're actually putting you in charge, even in their own, as they're being dominant, they're putting you in charge of their self-esteem. And uh, when you are able to see that, it's like, well, I don't want to be in charge of their self-esteem, uh, what little they may have. And the narcissist who has that strong dominant streak says, no, I must have your compliance. I have to have your deference, which says, I'm empty on the inside. Fill me, fill me, fill me. And again, they don't have the the insight to be able to see that. Um, these are individuals who don't have any kind of internal calmness to draw upon. They don't have internal peace. And like I say, their uh, their coping skills are so inadequate that there's just hardly anything there. Now, when you understand that some individuals truly have rationalized to themselves that being dominant and being overpowering is the best way to prove that you're a somebody, I'm hoping that it can, uh, can prompt you to think, I don't want to match pitch with that. Uh, Now, you don't have to get into any kind of competition with them and explain to them how wrong they are and how inappropriate they are. How many times have you gone into that space thinking that if you argue back uh, successfully enough, then somehow they'll change their way of life. And, of course, you know and I know that's not going to work. But I'm hoping instead you can think, you know, I'm going to take some cues from this person in the sense that I'm going to ask, what is it that they have going on that I want to do differently? Let me run through a few things. First, as I see somebody in my world who says, I must be dominant, I must have power over you, I'm thinking, knowing that they have their pain, you know, I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge my pain. I'm going to acknowledge that I have certain things inside of me that don't always measure up in the way that I want. And rather than running away from it, rather than trying to push it off onto someone else, I'm going to ask the hard questions of myself. Uh, narcissists in their dominance are projecting all of their inadequacies onto other individuals. It's like, no, I, I know that I have my ups and my downs, my highs and my lows. I want to take a look at that. In other words, I take responsibility for who I am. Also, when you're in the presence of this individual, your different kind of mindset might prompt you to ask, when I'm in the presence of this person, this dominant individual, what, what might I be able to learn? <laughs> and unfortunately, sometimes learning is in taking some of their cues and flipping them to the opposite. I learned that goodness and decency and empathy, those are characteristics that you hear people like me say. Those are, those are characteristics that I really treasure, and those are the, the the qualities that I want to have most. Uh, uh, I want to be most known for. What does that look like? Or looking at the anger that's generated because of their dominant mindset, another thing that you can ask of yourself is, well, what do I think is a wise way to manage anger? Notice that I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't feel angry. But do I have a game plan about what healthy anger looks like? And uh, people like myself, we talk, and, you know, I've got that book, The Anger Trap, about how not, not getting caught in their traps. Um, but healthy anger involves knowing how to have assertiveness and stand up for who you are, having healthy boundaries. But doing so in such a way where ideally the people involved get to walk away with their self-esteem intact. You're going to be respectful and, and uh, civil in the way that you manage things. Would you be able to do that? Um, I'm hoping also that as you look at that dominant person asking, what am I learning here, that it can prompt you to think, I like being a kind person and uh, I want to be somebody who knows how to uh, treat people well. In in addition to that, I like being a decisive person. I don't feel the need to, uh, for that dominant, bullying, overwhelming uh, narcissist to silence me. Why do I need to be silenced when I'm, I'm a reasonable individual? Um, my gentleness, my kindness, my empathy, that's what I'm going to be known for. I like being who I am. I don't feel the need to alter my personality or my, my priorities or my preferences simply because I have this loud and brash and overbearing and dehumanizing person saying I'm not supposed to do that. That's someone who doesn't understand life. And I'm going to take my cues from that person. No, thank you. So I'm hoping that as you uh, observe that there are, in fact, these high power, high dominant kind of individuals that are in your uh, presence, that you'll think, I I simply refute their message of dominance. I'm going to acknowledge the power, uh, not of overwhelming other individuals, but I'm going to recognize the power that comes from being a person of peace and a person of calmness and a person of resolve and a person of dignity That's something that the narcissist is not able to match pitch with me on. That's who I'm going to be nonetheless. So team healthy, you know, when we observe these kind of patterns in other individuals, rather than pointing the finger and saying, shame on you, you ought to be an awful person. Let's turn it around and have insight. And then let's turn it around and say, that becomes the beginning point for my sense of resolve. Hey guys, I'm going to see you next time. Hope you have a good time between now and then. I look forward to talking to you at another time. Thank you for listening. Surviving narcissism is the product of many years of work done by Dr. Les Carter. Dr. Carter is a best-selling author and therapist with more than 40 years of experience specializing in anger management and narcissistic personality disorder. You can find more content from Dr. Carter on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Surviving Narcissism, as well as on his website, survivingnarcissism.tv. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We are so glad to have you on Team Healthy.